Guinness World Record holding Bondazi Fire. This is the Fondazi Fire Show. It is a show where we ask the simple question, what do you want? Now, normally the answer would be more fire, but since this is a podcast, we're going to be giving you the ins and outs of how a world record setting fire and music performance group operates in the day by day, year by year. Tonight, we're going to be discussing how we write a show. And for this conversation to happen, my name is Adam. I'm joined by my lovely and amazing, beautiful wife, Katie. Hi. We have Chris and Teresa Meese on the call with us. Hello. Hello. Raderly Sterling, our drummer. Hi. Alan Graymont, our guitar player. Huzzah. And of course, you cannot have it without Kristen, the violinist. Hello. All right. So the first part of writing the show, the first thing that I think we always think about is what song order we're going to go with. Guys, you know, you're what, being... You're being really formal about that, and what we really do is sit in a big circle and talk about it. It's not like actually like... <laughs> you're, you're forgetting about the most fundamental aspect of writing a show is that the title has to form a haiku. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say we need the whiteboard. The whiteboard yes. is the yes. most important thing. <laughs> you know, a whiteboard doesn't have a name. How are you get exactly. a get a get a haiku? Yeah, why doesn't the whiteboard have a name? Like everything else has a name. How about old reliable? Old reliable. Oh. Old reliable. <laughs> <laughs> board, board Dello of Doom. Oh, Bordello wow. of Doom. Wow. Um, I like Bordello. Bordello. I think so. Bordello. Bordello. Yeah. Right, so yep. obviously, the Bordello. first part of <laughs> writing a show is naming the whiteboard that you're writing <laughs> the it on. Whiteboard. <laughs> 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 it's an integral part of our process, Adam. So, the first not. part of writing the show, I think, begins with bringing out the Bordello. The Bordello. Yes, the oh. Bordello. That name never gets old. No. <laughs> no, this is right Right when everyone's there. We're trying to write up you know, all five shows, ideally, or at least the morning shows, all three of the morning shows, or the, and try to get it so there's a good mix. We're really trying to start with how are we going to open this thing with a big bang? And then what do we want to use to close it? And then we kind of fill it in from there. Right. So I think it was Alan, you're the one who kind of came with us when you first said, you know, we want to, uh, I don't remember what song it was, but you wrote it as an opening song. Yeah, I when we got to the second album, the, all the second album, um, when we when we sat and wrote them, we really tried to write begin, uh, songs that were we knew were like, these are the beginning songs. These are like the end songs. And these are like good um, uh, intro or, or, or transition songs. You know, we really kind of had a trick, had a definite mix. We went back to the first album and kind of laid out when do we use these and how are being used, and then how do we make that even out so we have uh, a, a variation of starting songs and and ending songs. So yeah, we definitely took that approach um, early on, trying to make sure that we had a, a good mixture of stuff because. Um, you, you know, you, you want you want kind of that wave of, of songs. You want it to start strong. You want to have really interesting, dynamic middle piece, and you want to end strong and give everybody a reason to to enjoy the whole, whole the whole uh, section. Okay, we choose those front and back songs generally after we've seen this the show order because then we go, oh, they're starting with this piece. Let's make sure that we have a really like big kicker as an intro piece, or like, oh, they're starting with this really big high energy piece. 
we can play something maybe one of our little slower songs but like you know pretty songs that's a good intro here um also depends on when the day we are and how warmed up we are as a band (laughs) so yeah we we are oh yeah definitely our our opening songs are definitely uh uh reflection of the rest of the show for sure yeah well yeah it kind of grabs you it's what prop is coming on on deck first you know is it going to be a whip show are we going to start this thing with a bunch of rings is it is it going to be a slower start we don't do those terribly often but sometimes we do i yeah we we do do those and it also it also depends on the time of the day right that's what i say the time of the day really depends on if we're going to start slower or more or faster right if you've never been if you've never been to a 10 30 in the morning is it 10 30 i think we started at 10 30 10 30 right yeah yeah if you've ever been to a 10 30 show i mean it is definitely very very different than the three o'clock show and uh so i i if you ever like come to our shows and you're like i always come to the three o'clock show and it's the same one try to mix it up and come to at a different time because uh you'll be really surprised the energy is way different and watch in a very cool different way and the mornings are kind of like this kind of cool cool vibe you know it has this kind of yep. like groove to it whereas like the 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 two the 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 one of three o'clock ones really get more driving and stuff. Yeah, we keep the ten thirty for the coffee crowd. Right. Yeah. We will be posting photos of the different show orders that we have because I take pictures of most yeah. of the whiteboard, uh, the bordello, the bordello. Thank you. Um, and the show orders that we have throughout the different <laughs> weekends never and whatnot, so you, people can see that we really kind of mix it up. I was talking about the. Um, the song that the musicians play before the first number of right. fire, before the dancers come on, I was talking about those pieces that we choose and yeah, how right. that yeah. interacts with, it's not just a, like, yes, we think about like, what's the prop coming on, but also like, what's the flow of the music throughout the rest yeah. of the show? Like, yeah. is there a piece that's also missing that would really like help cap the show for an ending piece? You know, that's, we ended up this big flourishing, you know, a or something that's really, pretty and epic and you know a song everyone knows and so let's end with a really like high energy kind of more traditional right piece right. or do we so i guess that's kind of our process once you've written the show on bordello then we take our little mini bordello yeah <laughs> and yep. we decide what our intro and closer are right well i think it's also important for people to understand that when we get a show written they're that you guys have multiple times and it's totally okay with us have kind of vetoed that show order. Cause you will talk about, no, those two songs don't go well back to back. And so it's, it is a process between us and you guys and trying to really figure out that flow with props and with music. And then the last point about it is. Well, um, making sure that everyone doesn't die. Right. The last thing. The, the, I mean, we have had shows where like, <laughs> Brett and I will often write a show and then Adam will come over and be like, you guys, I'm in every single piece. Right. It's like, oh. So typical, typical Those shows are, the are shows about keep. six. <laughs> yeah. They're about six or seven pieces long, right? Is that correct, Alan? Six or seven in a show? Six. Yeah. There's an six. opening and closing six, six numbers. Yeah. Right. So six, six numbers. And the idea typically is that a performer isn't going to be on stage, typically not on stage three pieces in a row. We try not to do that. Right. In the past, it wouldn't have been very feasible. It started happening more just as we got more and more numbers. People got more comfortable staying on stage longer. Yeah. Historically, one of our biggest problems was the fact that we were trying to balance getting people on and off stage with so few numbers that mixing that up was 
impossible. It was such a headache to try to write shows when we had fewer numbers to choose from. We just often had the, like, Let's Kill Katie show. Yeah. 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 Try to keep those to the mornings. Yeah, I can think of many times that's happened. <laughs> it's my favorite show. It's my, it's my favorite <laughs> one. Yeah. And I'm fine with them, <laughs> unless they're, like, the 2 o'clock show. Right. For those who do not know, our stage is, like, extremely, extremely sunny, and it's... um in the middle of the day and it's the hottest and it's right. it's my least favorite show yeah fire and sun yeah arch, you can't see anything combo. when you're throwing things and it gets really hot and it's just miserable yeah but it does make you feel really good when you catch everything it is <laughs> <laughs> the sun shows are definitely a challenge when you're throwing that's right. true so i think we asked at that time the, the, we tried the, not to do too many of the, sh- the pieces that have uh Uncomfortable throws. I don't know how else to say that. Weird throws, quick throws, fat throws. Uh, the big aerial numbers. Yeah. Um, but also- I was also, I wanted to touch touch back, if I could, about, we were saying, people were staying on stage longer. I think that also generated this attitude backstage of everyone who's not on stage is not just chilling backstage waiting they are helping what's coming next because that person who's on stage giving it all, giving it their all for that one number has no idea that they're in the next number two. <laughs> so there has, we have this eye communication that happens and the audience doesn't see it of we're looking at the other person going, what in the world comes next? And they're holding props going this thing. <laughs> you go, oh, okay. <laughs> You are stayed up there with the rigs. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes, there, there has been many shows when Adam is in like the very first three shows and it's bam, bam, bam. And I, I'm on stage and I see Teresa doing this with a prop and like, <laughs> see it? Okay. This like, is what's next. Yeah. Well, what I love is that it's not that they act that Adam doesn't like, it's not that he didn't see the show order beforehand. No. Cause like, again, we write out at yeah. least three shows ahead of time, but that you just when you're up there you're like oh I can't remember my own name right. what is next oh I was just gonna say like the times when we look down at the whiteboard and we see what song is next and we're like how does <laughs> how does that go right and we're looking at, how do we start this song I've only played it ten million times <laughs> there okay this is actually she's she's kind of, she's reminding me of the first weekend of last year we get up on stage and she sets the mini bordello down and we're going to do an opening number. And I think it was actually uh, Raiderly. She's like, oh, we're going to play this song. I forget which one it was now. And, and I'm like, all right, cool. We sit down and I literally am supposed to open the song and I look at the thing and I look at my hands and I look at her and I go, I have no idea how this song goes. <laughs> like, I just completely forgot. And I'm like, I'm and, trying to sing and, it under my breath. Like, and she's, like, she's like trying to whisper in my ear and I'm like, I'm like this is not helping. And, and, and rarely just she, she, she yells out like play trouble. I'm like, okay, we can do that one. It, it does. It does happen sometimes. And we, the thing is we play these things a hundred times and all of a sudden yep. like, how does that go? Doesn't like, matter. I, and I, and I can, you know, every one of us musicians, I can pick out a time throughout the, the last couple seasons for sure where that's happened. Like for a second, you're like, Whoa, how does yep. that happen? Yep. So. It's terrifying. It's so terrifying. It happens with the dancers, too. All the time oh, with the dancers. Yeah. Hopefully the audience doesn't notice it when one of us goes the complete wrong direction. And you're just like looking at them and going, where are you going? And they're just like, I don't know. Well, that's that's what I do love about our about us is that yeah. anytime I start to mess up or anytime I forget choreography, at least if I know if I'm on stage with Teresa where I'm on stage with you or Brett, I know right. that we're going to be able to cover and just go with right. it. Um, 
And I have confidence that we'll get there eventually with Joe. She, we just, yeah. we've only performed with her for one, one season. So, and Chris too. If you're on stage with Chris, he'll just look at you so disappointedly, <laughs> but he'll still follow. <laughs> but he'll still be disappointed. Like, I've known Chris since I was 14 years old, and he does. He will look at me like a big brother, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've disappointed you. The beard disapproves. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Chris has the beard. He'll just make you move. The beard of authority. The beard of authority. You're standing there and he looks at you with the beard of authority. She's, you're like, oh, I guess I got to move. You know? <laughs> it's also it's also really weird when you're dancing with him on stage. Go the other way. Because yeah. even if he messes up, you're like, no, I'm sorry I messed up. <laughs> like, it's all me. It's all me. Which, as opposed to you and Brett, whenever you yeah. mess up, it's all you. It's all Brett's fault, yeah. But because Chris and he, we all do this actually pretty well. And just the whole failing with confidence thing. Yes. Right. Like, and that yes. took us so long to figure out. Like, don't the audience doesn't know you made a mistake unless you tell them. Well, yep. there was that one time, however, that I was performing with your husband salsa <laughs> and fell off the side of the stage. I think they knew, <laughs> but I owned it and jumped back on stage. In the teaching business, we call those teachable moments. <laughs> yep. Where you just roll with it and it makes it right. an epic. And I honestly feel like we've gotten there now of like, we messed up and like, we actually acknowledge that we messed up, but like, we're proud of it. Oh yeah. Well, you only- I mean, like the time I threw the staff over you into the backstage. Right. Teresa, didn't you give it back to him or Chris? Like, yeah. Or the time I totally like twirled and went into the rabbit hole pond yep. during a fire blast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they noticed. They've, they've wanted that for the last 10 years. They have. Right. They wanted someone to be like, boom, fire blast, water. <laughs> and I think we should do that next year. I'm not doing it on purpose. I, I think you should jump no. up and blow as you this go This is back. what you want. Just well, saying. there's actually, there's a lot of photos on the internet of people doing blasts into water. So, I mean, I could talk to Lewis. We could make this thing happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure we could. There you go. Yeah. We sent him on fire into the pond several times. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, fire blast into the pond. We'll make it, we'll make this thing work. So, I think one of the important things to talk about with the, uh, the show order writing is that for a long time, I think that the rest of us believe that Adam just liked to mess with us by changing it. Yeah. <laughs> At the last minute. At the last minute. And I'm not sure if that was actually like you were enjoying any of that or if you just. Can I in- tell you guys something about my husband mm-hmm. and about our marriage that he hears Katie going, I like it when we have different show orders. And so he takes it as, OK, guys, we're going to do different show orders because my wife likes it. But he's not going to tell you that. And he's just going to make it happen because he loves me. So, sorry and thank you. Yeah. If it was me, we'd have one awesome show. You know, one of the other factors we didn't talk about yet is is we change our show order or we write shows specifically because of the props that are being used. Sometimes we have to refuel props in the middle of a show because they're used in more than one piece. I mean, we have a lot of equipment, but we do not have endless equipment. Uh, so yeah, we have to make sure that we have enough props. So when you light it all yeah. on fire in one piece, well, well, I mean, Uber, Uber show, Uber show writing is, is actually how we're going to end this podcast. So let's wait to hit that. Um, so, but yeah, prop selection, prop selection is the next piece. Actually, we've already talked about song and flow, but making sure that props aren't repeating, making sure that there's a good variety and making sure that we have enough of them right. is critical. <laughs> 
So, for example, one of our new pieces that we performed last year, 2019, was Splinters. And that is a piece that has both hula hoops, it has all the rings, it has all the fans. And in that show, we have to either make sure that if we do rings, it's at the beginning of the show because we need to refuel and redip and redo everything with those rings if they're going to come back in later on, or the hoop. Right, because we do try to avoid redipping during a show. Ideally, we would have fueled all the props, removed any excess fuel, and bagged them so that they're protected and the fuel stays on them uh, entirely before the show starts. So it's all ready to go. And then we double, triple check it. <laughs> that is true. We we call it out. So we it's a verbal thing. It's like it's kind of like when they say we're doing surgery on the right knee. Verify right knee, right knee. Like that's how backstage <laughs> works at Fondazi. Probably has partly to do with my doctoral background. But we're like, all right, what are we doing? We're doing <laughs> we're doing this number. How many rings do we need? We need three sets of rings. Three sets check, and we're we're running it down but, backstage. And the, and we also do that at the beginning. Right. So when we get all the props out, we get all the props. Somebody calls yep. off the board. These are the props that we're using. Great. And then we fuel them all, and then we try to do it again yeah yeah i don't want to i don't want to you know put crystal on the spot but i want to let, let everyone know she's she, she's never double dipped during the entire show like she <laughs> she she does it the whole show she makes it through and That's she's right. such a trooper so yeah I, I just wanted to call her out to say thank you i appreciate yeah, that yeah thanks thanks never tags yeah. in that second fiddle she never plays second fiddle yeah uh-huh. good for you <laughs> I don't know. We do, have, we do have two guitars just in case. We do. <laughs> no, no. She's talking about the song, Two Guitars. It's fully no, guitar-based. But we also have a string-breaking guitar. But we also have no, two guitars. He, no, there's a... Because he has his backup guitar. Yeah, we literally oh. have yeah, two guitars. There's another guitar. Yeah, Code Yuri. Mm-hmm. The Code Yuri guitar. In case Alan breaks a string. <laughs> Code Yuri. There's been a couple Code Yuri's. <laughs> yeah, it's only happened twice. Yeah. Yes. Twice, yeah. Once, was, once, once because the, uh, the audio piece the wire came loose on that guitar so it wasn't picking up and the other time it's because i actually broke a string which almost never happens but it's funny because one of the things that we don't have is like a spare staff which we should just dip a spare staff just in case because every once in a while one flies into the pond yeah we used to Mm -hmm. but then we started writing shows that had like multiple staffs pieces in them because yeah and we started using them all (laughs) right all of our staff pieces are fairly different so we can have we'll them in multiple staffs. Maybe we should make a, a new like hexstaphicles, but maybe like an eight wick <laughs> staff. So if somebody drops a staff in the pond or something, they get punished by having a large staff. <laughs> this makes me so happy. Chris, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. And we're going to name that staff Ocho as in. Ocho. <laughs> so hot. Ocho. Please make this happen. Now it must be made. I, I have spare <laughs> spare metal in the garage and Kevlar. This could be like, hey, look what I made. We're making Ocho. Let's do this. You know, we got to do a demo for our Patreons. So let's do it. How we make and our then you can spin it in be... a staff and Hold on. Hold on. Let me talk for a second. How we... <laughs> How we make our staff is actually going to be a uh, feature for Patreon. We're going to go through a tutorial on how a Fondazi staff is made. And whips. And whips. And we're going to get into later how the Fondazis all spin their staffs, which is fairly consistent, but not not always. Between the staffs and the poi, we all have our own little things that yeah. we all look at each other and like, how can you possibly do that? But it clearly works. Yeah, we're going to be putting out some technique content, and we'll be putting out some making content. 
So, yeah, typically we're looking at opening with a lot of props on stage. We're looking at closing with a lot of props on stage. And then it's what props are left to still use (laughs) in some cases. There's that. And there's also there's certain props that we like, certain songs that we feel like go really well together. Yep. Um, I know that one of our favorite shows was the 1030 or the 1130 show where it was like. Usually eleven thirty. It was eleven thirty. Because we're all warmed up, you know. Yeah. We're old these days. Yeah. And it takes a minute <laughs> to get going in the morning. Sometimes. Well, sometimes, especially like in the later weekends of the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, when you're nearing yeah. October, and you get those really humid, crisp, cold mornings, uh, and the yeah. coffee is so fantastic, and you're walking across like the frosted ground, it's so <laughs> surreal. But getting moving on those mornings is like oh goodness because you've been performing for five weeks straight (laughs) at this point it's not like you did one or two (laughs) shows you got 50 shows in the bag (laughs) and yeah oh man the hands loosen up so slow those mornings but it feels so good honestly you're telling me those are the mornings those cold mornings when i look at the bordello and i see i'm playing fire dance in the first show i'm like no it's well, yeah. so cold. And those are those are other times I have to take the weather into consideration. I will say those exact times we do our sound check in the morning also says like what song we do for sound check. So like before we start everything, like the musician goes to a sound check in the morning, right? To make sure that like everything works <laughs> and that we sound yeah. good. But if you will picture um beautiful fans, the mist over you know, the shops in the morning, the sun is gleaming through the, the, the trees and the, the leaves are still there for the most part. And there are people like waking up, putting their shops in order. And the swamp is full of bird song and fairies making, you know, mute magic happen. And all of a sudden, the fight choreography, fight call for Robin Hood has ended, and suddenly they're just burst through the entirety of, you know, Cartwheel Cove, this beautiful music. which is usually Argentina or something like that. And yeah, Argentina is our favorite, I think. Yeah. Yep. To warm up with. Or Cthulhu. And we have people actually come just for that sound check. Like they come and get dressed at our stage. I love that. Which I love, which I know is a total sidebar from like actually making a show, but it's. No, it's a good sidebar. I think, I think we should make a hypnosis track for festival people who <laughs> yeah. work there in the morning. They're like, I know what this feels like. <laughs> I know. This I'm right. there. And breathe through your nose. <laughs> it's just fine. If you need me to wax poetic about anything, I'll do it. Like that's that's my training at this point. Obviously, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, was, yeah, like, that was perfect. I know this feeling. This is great. Yes, and you're describing one of my favorite. That's yeah. my one of my favorite. We pull up and we grab the fuel out of the back of the Canyon Arrow, mm-hmm. and everyone right. hauls the fuel to the stage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we've been we've been we've been talking about this from the angle of what we do at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, which is appropriate. But also when we go on the road, we don't take a full crew with us. Often it's just dancers uh, and different amounts of dancers and different people that know 
different numbers. Uh, so we always have to take that into consideration. Right. There's certain things we can't do without, like we can't do um, the closing piece with the Tanae Clean Sticks and the Uber show. Right. Because like, that would set most places on fire that we perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the stage at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival <laughs> is uniquely equipped that we have not been able to set it on fire. We've tried. We've tried desperately so and we've hard. burned a hole in the middle of it. But have yet to set it ablaze. And there was many performers before us who tried as well. It's true. It is soaked with lots and lots of fuel. Which, speaking of weather, like that burn spot becomes the spot that is the least like slick during the, the those weather days. So like those picking pieces, like oh, we can all just kind of huddle in the middle <laughs> and do all our pieces on the burn spot. That's right. Stay to the center of the stage, and. When we talk about like making these shows too, I'm sure some of our fans who have been out to see many shows have noticed that their performers, there's multiple variations to, to many of the musical numbers as far as who is on the stage performing them. Uh, because we started traveling, we it necessitated cross training, mm-hmm. and uh, we get to take we get to have fun with that uh, when we're. At Minnesota, because so many people can say, yeah, I want to be in that number or let somebody else perform. Right. Or if it flows with the music to be able to have a certain number next, but a certain performer has already performed twice, it's right. nice to be able to have slide, another, slide them s- out. Yeah. Slide them out and slide someone else in. The band also cross trains like I play guitar and I bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, also to consider when we're on the road. When we're on the road, you have to consider the terrain that we're performing on because it's not always, well, it's very rarely a stage, honestly. It's usually like, here's this patch of grass. You guys can make that work. Uh, Which we can usually, but that does mean that once we get there, if we've already decided on we're going to do X, Y, and Z shows, because often we don't have a musician, so I have to go through beforehand and I have to cut and make sure that all the right versions of the songs are what we can perform to. And right. So if we get to a certain place and I realize we can't do whatever show we're going to do, we have to rewrite it. Yeah. One of the ones that actually Argentina, we brought that up earlier. That's one of the ones that's like, will this work? Do we have enough space to throw the rope dart and not smack an audience member or a, or a backdrop. backdrop or something. Yeah. And also just the throwing, how much height do we have? Uh, there's been times where we've done indoor performances where I go very much against my character and try to tone down the amount of fire that we use. Yeah, there's that. That has happened. Yeah. And that is... It's a challenge. That is fun. Back to what you're saying about the different terrain and the, the, the dirt stages. I remember one of the festivals that we went to... We did great the first day. The second day we came back, it rained overnight, and we were suddenly in a mud pit. And so that completely changed everything that we could do. Right. Well, and also we take try to take into account of, like, what it looks like behind us. Like, what's the scale of the performance space that we're in? That's why we actually have Bruce. <laughs> Bruce is simply – Bruce is as big as he is because he sets a size dimension for the show to take place in. Uh, and it actually works well as a backstage because he's large enough to go between two speaker posts and create a backdrop for us. Um, so one of my favorite shows that we travel to is Circus World. And we yes. do that at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. And that is one of the places where we are lucky enough to be able to bring everybody. That's right. We, that, we started last year with that. And right. I think 
that's going to probably happen as long as we're invited back because it's amazing. We get to perform in the Hippodrome. So wait, it's the Rogues and Ruffians show, and we'll yes. we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, and also that right. is where our opening music for this podcast was recorded. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. I know. I told I told Teresa. I'm like, it sounds hippodromish. It is. <laughs> it was from my cell phone. <laughs> it's on a gr- by the way. I mm-hmm. It's actually such a great recording. I'm surprised it worked out really well. It cleaned up super easy, and it's all the hippodrome. The hippo. We we need our we need our own hippodrome. Desperately. I want to build a hippodrome. So we perform at this hippodrome, and um, when we were writing the show beforehand, there are certain things we had to take into account. We don't we don't do as many shows during the day. Um, the, the festival's not as big. The turnover is a little bit more when it comes to patrons. So we felt that it was necessary for us to not necessary, but it was able. We were able to put in songs. Well, basic- more frequently. Basically, the whole thing became an Uber show. Yeah, almost every show did. Um, so I, I promised that we'd talk about it, so we might as well get into it. An Uber show is basically how much fire can we possibly put on stage and how many people can we put up there at a time <laughs> without dying and without setting the whole festival on fire. And it's pretty incredible, honestly. It is exhausting. There's a reason why it happens at the end of the day and can only happen once. Uh, the Uber show was a creation of that came from the tentacle sticks, honestly. So uh, anyone who's not familiar with like the Filipino tentacle sticks, they are typically bamboo sticks that you clack on the ground and clack together. It's kind of like jumping double dutch. Uh, we made those out of metal with wood blocks on the end and then set them ablaze. And then we jumped through them. And we... It was a creation of Katie's and it, it was, it was okay. We were able to do it, but it was so incredibly hot and so incredibly difficult that I was like, what if we just did it once a day? That, that really was the Uber show was your, yeah, your thing. I feel like Adam should tell us how hot and how high those flames get. Yeah. I mean, those flames get over six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. This hot. <laughs> yeah burn it over like 2,000 degrees. They're ridiculous. That's hot. 20,000 million degrees. Yeah. How tall are the women in this show? (laughs) (laughs) Not that tall. Not that tall. It's amazing it doesn't set Chris's beard on fire. (laughs) There's a reason I'm the drummer now. It's not even just for the people that are uh, jumping through them, but Teresa can attest to the people that are clacking them. Mm-hmm. It is almost more dangerous for the person that's on the pond side because the wind is typically yeah. blowing towards the pond, and it is brutal. We will position. I will tell ourselves. that story another day. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that is a different story. We position ourselves so we try to. Teresa will often be offset from me on the stage, so that yeah. just trying to control the direction right. of the flame. So we have this prop that's so intense that we can only perform it once a day. So I had the idea that we'll just do it once a day and we'll do a thing and we'll call it an Uber show. And it'll be the biggest, biggest props that we have, the, uh, the most people on stage at once. And it was a great idea six plus years ago. And current day, it is just plain madness. <laughs> and I love it. 
Well, I I think what happened was when when that show started, like you started with the Uber show, yeah. and then we got approached by William Bradshaw, who used to be at at, at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival as a magician, and he wanted us to do a uh, burned alive magic trick with him. Right. Um, and that I think really helped launch our Uber show because we started promoting that, and we got a lot of people to come yeah. see that. How did we get the name Uber Show? I feel like Chris. I helped coin that. That that came from when we came back from our honeymoon because we were in Germany and I spoke German. Teresa was learning it because uh, she was on the fly because she spoke Spanish. And so it, it was awkward because she kept mixing Spanish and German and English all together. And it was fun. We came up with just using Uber to everything because it was funny to us. And so we'd have dinner and it was Uber schmeckt. You know, it was very tasty. You know, it was a great taste. And so we came back and we were using Uber for in front of everything. And Adam's like, what's this Uber? And I was like, it's Uber. It's great. It's big. And he's like, Uber show. <laughs> yeah. It's a good it's word. Stuck. It works. Yeah. It's, it's fun to point out that like the rule of not killing everybody exists only for the first four shows of the day. That rule is completely <laughs> thrown out the door for the Uber show. It's, I don't care if you're too. on stage. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I don't I'm, care if you're on stage for five numbers in a row and you get one off and then you're on for the last three. Doesn't matter. If we're playing like fire dance speed the entire way through and it's like a freaking freight train yep. to the musicians, doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. It is just all out. Also, also, the Uber show is a lot longer than the regular show. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We add yeah. a couple, one or two pieces. It's usually nine to ten long. Yeah, we add we add pieces. Yeah, we had, Plus we had, the we had, fire eating contest. So, you know, the fire blowing. That can list forever. We have an extra dance, yeah. usually an extra dance number, uh, uh, the fire uh, blowing and manipulation, and then they do the cynicaling sticks. So that's like, mm-hmm. it's like three extra pieces to it. So can I just say going from fire breathing competition to tinnacling and having to play like <laughs> fire breathing and then playing drums for that is insane. Like, I don't know if any of you appreciate, like I am like, dying and like trying to like clean off myself because right i'm like trying to like make the chemical burns not happen um which is a totally different podcast and a totally like it's not just the women or men but like women have a particular kind of chemical burns that happen that are just lovely um but it is so like i'm jumping from I'm playing this. I'm playing this awesome song because usually it's with like splinters or something. So like, there's this huge song, and then all of a sudden I'm like, and I'm blowing fire now, and then oh, and I'm gonna go play tinnacling, and I have to like keep a steady beat, which is insane when my heart is going at the same time. And by the way, that tinnacling stick songs, that's the one I absolutely rely on you to be on mark for the tinnacle for the tinnacling ones, because I I so. We actually, we actually found that song, and we we were practiced it way faster, and we'll and we'll probably put it on the album at, at our 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 fast speed. But it has to, but the tinkling sticks, you know, they all have, they have a certain cadence, and you have to keep them, and you know, they have to, the dancers have to keep it. So we had to like slow it down. So I'm constantly wanting to go faster. So I'm so much, I'm I'm so grateful that that Rayleigh can look at me in the eye and give me that look like, I will kill you if you go any faster. (laughs) And I'm actually watching Katie and Teresa for their rhythm. So like you two are actually uh, doing the, what is the rhythm of this piece? What is the speed we're doing it at? Because the speed changes versus the wind, frankly. 
Like, if it's a really windy, awful day, it slows down a heck of a lot. Um, Like, it's still a fast song, no matter what you do, but, like, it is how you all and how the weather is playing and, like, oh, no, the rain is coming. We need to, like, finish this now because inevitably the rain comes right before tentacles happen. Like, that's just the rule. <laughs> but, like, that is the... So I'm watching you two to see, like, where are you at for the rhythm? Like, where are we at for how fast we're going to go this? So you two set the pace for that, actually, even though, like, technically everyone hears the drum going, like, they hear the bass beat, but I'm watching you two for the most part. So it's a really give-and-take scenario, which it is for all of our pieces, but, like, because if we see that... Like, oh, we're, like, like for the most part, like, we're driving, like, the music is driving everything that's going on, but it's also, like, we're watching you and really taking what you're doing and going, oh, we need to maybe slow this down or not, and especially as the drummer who yeah. kind of drives the rhythm and the speed for the rest of the song, for the most part, like, I really want to make sure that that communication between the dancers and the musicians is happening. Right. Yeah. The final thing, honestly, with writing the shows is then after we've actually performed it, coming back and saying, did that work? Because there has been so many times that we've written a show, thought it was solid, performed it, and it just goes over like a lead balloon. Well, and the audience plays such a huge role. They do. If they're hot and tired, they're not doing anything. I swear that two o'clock, three o'clock. Yeah. Both of those shows, like, and it really, oh, it, it depends on how much shade we still have left on the tree. Yeah, time of year. Our tree had a blight last year and it lost its leaves early. So that completely messed up our plan for show orders because suddenly <laughs> the shade was gone. The audience mood had shifted and then we had to rethink what we were doing in the afternoon shows because there was no more shade. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird that the factors that play into creating a good show order but I mean, that's the factor with take it into effect all the time is the audience, because like, that's who we're doing it for. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's if they're not if they're not engaged and comfortable, like we can put on the most amazing show in the world and like like just be the most on and the most amazing we have ever been. And if they're not engaged with it because they're hot or they're sweaty or they're just sitting in the sun and like trying not to die of heat stroke. And it doesn't matter that I guess we haven't really talked about like the audience factor. Like we talked about like our end of the deal, but like also like, because that's kind of our motto of like thinking about what is the audience getting out of this? Are they getting a complete story? The, the way the audience acts while you're on stage, the amount of like cheering and clapping versus the amount of tipping you get. It's like really interesting to try to calculate between those two reactions because the audience might be exhausted and tired and not have the energy to vocalize their appreciation, but they still tip well. So then you know that they enjoyed it, but they were just really hot and tired or drunk or, you know, any number of factors that can be in there. So it's like so much calculus. It's very complicated math sometimes. When I first walk out, because I'm one of the first people out because the musicians start the show, um, walking out readily starts by getting everybody to to squeeze in and things. But I like to I go on and I like to talk to the first couple of rows of the audience just to have an, an engagement with them. And part of it is just I feel like I feel more comfortable having like almost I'm playing for friends 
you know, cause I kind of know them. And, uh, and, and I think more and more people like to come back and, and they, they'll sit in the same spots and they come up front. And I think that creates a, that's like the first wave of energy that I like to get. I figure if we yeah. can get the first couple bros excited, it'll carry through for everybody else. And, uh, so we, we, we really try to do that. And so like the musicians, we try to have, especially at first show, we try to do a lot of eye contact, you know, with everybody. And we do that on purpose to try to get people excited and cheering. Cause you know, it's, it's a big part of the show. I think, I think people who come to a show where the other people around them are cheering, have a better time. Uh, I personally love the fact that this entire episode begins with the audience and ends with the audience. And that's really why all of us are up there doing this performance. want to become a patreon subscriber pop on over to patreon and look for fondazi fire if you have any questions or show ideas for us in the future anything you want to know then email us at fondazi at gmail.com make sure you subscribe to fondazi fire presents what do you want on your favorite podcast platform